Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Polygon Alpha podcast, where the Polygon community gathers insights from today's leaders in decentralized finance and crypto. I'm your host, Justin Havens, aka Crypto Texan. Let's get started. On today's episode of Polygon Alpha, we are joined by Alan Scott, who's the co-founder and janitor of Railgun Protocol. Alan, thanks for being here with us today. How's everything going? Oh man, everything's great. Uh, I'm out in uh, Paris currently for ETHCC. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you. Uh, how is the vibe out there at ETHCC right now? You know, so far so good, man. Um, I think this is like the the first conference that I've been to where like, like the vibe is pretty decent this year, you know, like a lot of people have had the bear market blues, but that's just not been the case here. So things are things are pretty good, man. Yeah. And you and I met at in Austin for consensus. Did you feel like there were bear market blues vibes around that conference or what were your thoughts about that one as well? It's my home state. So, yeah, first of all, very factual. Everything is bigger in Texas, including the conferences. Consensus was massive. Right. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it, I guess. You know, you don't really feel like the bear market like blues at conferences, but we did have like that little move down like during during the conference. You know what I mean? So I feel like this is like one of the first conferences where I've been at the conference and I look at the charts and, you know, they're going up, you know, so um, I don't want to jinx anything. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that, you know, but yeah, generally speaking, the people are always positive. But, the, you know, in this particular circumstance, the, the charts are looking good, too. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it is a great thing. Absolutely. And, you know, the ECC, the one that you're at in Paris right now, that is like probably the most prominent conference in the Ethereum space, at least. Definitely like the biggest conference in Europe that I can think of. So uh, pretty exciting that you're there. I'm a little jealous, actually. But um, so when I was doing my introduction, I your title, I had you as co-founder and janitor. Can you explain a little bit of your janitorial roles at Railgun and what that means? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I've been very uh, perhaps aptly named, I don't know, the, the janitor of the group. Um, I, I do everything that's primarily based on the, you know, non-coding side of things. You know, so we have some really great developers at this uh, at this protocol. You know, there's uh, Kyren, there's uh, Hisham and the, you know, these guys are very, very talented uh, been doing development for a very long time. And, you know, my role is a little bit more on the, uh, I guess the soft skills side. And so like, um, I guess I've been called the janitor because like, all I do is just clean stuff up, you know? And so like, if there's a, a, a non-development thing, I've, I've just been the designated doer on the protocol, you know? So when it came to like, uh, you know, structuring partnerships and doing the strategic alliances with, uh, the folks like DCG, you know, I was, uh, you know, front running the opportunity there, if you will. So, um, yeah, I guess that's, I'm not really sure how I got named the, the janitor, but I think that's why. Um, and, um, how did I kind of like it? You know, I've never been a man for titles. So to have one that's a little silly, uh, is, is kind of nice actually. Yeah, that is nice. And since you don't have a developer background, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, what is your background and how did you get into this crypto web three DeFi space? Yeah, yeah. So my background is more in the, uh, I guess, the traditional finance space. Um, I worked in um, actually the the insurance space for for many years before this um, for a company called Apco Holdings back in the day. Um, but I got into crypto back in 2017 um, because I wanted to like trade my own money, uh, and I had been trading stocks before that. And I was, uh, you know, the strategy that I was um, doing was based on, um, you know, was based on like you know, access to beta, right? So just trying to get access to like volatility, basically. Like, so like the bigger the move, the better for like what I was doing. And so I started out in stocks, moved into like leverage ETFs, uh, and then it, you know, followed a weird path to um, options on leveraged ETFs. And then my friends were telling me, hey man, like you're, you're doing this the hard way. Like you should just get into crypto. Um, and so I did. And, you know, I started out on like centralized exchanges, moved into the leverage centralized exchanges and um, felt like I was a genius like everybody did up until, um, you know, I got wrecked pretty hard in the 2018, 2019 market. Um, and then DeFi summer was really good for me. Um, I really enjoyed that uh, as a market. And I'd always really liked crypto and I always thought it was really fascinating. I'd participated in a lot of telegrams and discords. 
And I was, you know, when the team would come in, I was always thinking like, wow, like those guys are so cool. Like they're working on like the future of finance. And I had so much respect for all these guys. And, uh, and I got the opportunity to, to take and, you know, join this team, um, as the, uh, as the janitor. And, you know, I, I, you know, I quit my day job and, you know, my parents thought I was crazy and my friends and family were like, oh, you're going to go work on like magical internet money stuff. And I'm like, no, that's a different project. Uh, I'm going to work on this thing called Railgun. And, uh, you know, fast forward to today, here we are. Yeah. And with Railgun being a privacy related uh, crypto protocol, have you always have a, had a penchant for privacy? Not really, to tell you the truth. Um, it was really kind of like an epiphany for me um, whenever I was in a lot of groups. Um, you know, I, like a lot of people, whenever I originally got into crypto, I conflated uh, pseudo, like pseudonymous uh, with anonymous, right? And so a lot of people do that, right? They think that crypto is private and it's actually quite the opposite, right? You know, when you're ignorant, you don't know, but like, you know, the truth of the matter is that, you know, crypto broadly speaking, is on public ledger blockchains. So it's it's the exact opposite of private, right? And I didn't really recognize that until I was in a group with some folks and it was a private it was a private group for like um, you know investing and someone reached out to me and they were like, hey, you know, I saw you were in in such and such. Um, you know, tell me about that. Like why why did why are you in this, you know, position? And I was really freaked out by that. And like, um, I had like forgotten that, you know, we had exchanged some tokens for uh, whatever reason it was at the time. But anyway, suffice it to say, like, that was like my first experience with like, oh man, like people can like track you, you know? And so I became like really aware of that uh, just before like DeFi Summer, which is why DeFi Summer was like so good for me because I started creating like a lot of wallets. Um, I have a... Uh, well, I've created actually, I guess an accounting nightmare for myself, right? And so like, it was because like, I wanted to have like privacy in crypto. And I think that's like really natural, right? You know, it, it makes a lot of sense because people, they appreciate this this for their, their finances, right? The last thing that I'm sure, you know, Justin, you want to tell me is, you know, how much do you have on, you know, in your bank account, right? This is a completely obtuse thing, right? And so, um, yeah, like I wasn't at first, but yeah, I am definitely... Uh, a, a staunch privacy advocate now based on that. Yeah. And I've always kind of thought of it as at least like in the, in the earlier days that it's like, you're kind of giving it away some trade-offs, right? You have the benefit of self-custodying your assets, but you're losing out on privacy in the blockchain space. Whereas, you know, in the traditional finance system where you have a bank, it's like, you have a lot more privacy, Right. Like not everyone can look like there's definitely like some employees and maybe some government officials who can look into your bank account and your transactions. But you're giving up the self-custody aspect as well, which a lot of people in the space obviously appreciate. And now it's kind of like now that we're I've, I felt like scalability was like number one, like that was the first thing that we needed to take care of in this space. And now that we are with all these, you know, layer twos and other scaling solutions, we are starting to achieve the scalability. I feel like privacy is the next step in this process. And so I would, I would also like to get into now, like what, what is Railgun and how is it solving this privacy issue in the blockchain space? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start out with first, like I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think like if we want to like protect like the core tenets of, of crypto in so much, you know, and I'm talking about like censorship resistance and like immutability and this kind of thing, right? There has to be some sort of element of privacy, right? Because like censorship isn't just like someone's ability to take and censor transactions like directly by way of like, um, uh, I don't know, like attacking the network or something like this, but like someone knowing who you are and like blocking your ability um, in like the, the, the IRL metaverse, right? <laughs> and so like, you know, it's really, really quite important for us to have like privacy and like you know, separate ourselves from our pseudonymous addresses uh, completely when possible. Right? I think this is going to be really important in the future going forward. Um, and so, you know, Railgun was kind of, you know, built for this, right? And so Railgun is a smart contract system. Uh, it's deployed on uh, Ethereum, BSC, and then Polygon uh, as well, which is uh, why we're here today. Um, and the, the, the way it works is it's, it's primarily it acts like an incognito mode for uh, a wallet. And so like the SDK allows wallet providers to take and integrate 
this smart contract system to develop an incognito mode for their their wallet. And so like the first wallet to do this is it's called Railway and uh, Railway has this incognito mode and that's um, yeah that's kind of like the I guess the thesis behind like this project is that like wallet side privacy is like the best privacy, right? And it's like the 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 most important type of privacy, like being able to have like the ability to keep your um, your bank balance, if you will, anonymous, uh, because this akins it to like the traditional finance space, where like if you were to go like if you know crypto is going to truly be the the future of finance, and you're going to go and you're going to swipe your you know. Uh, crypto debit card and it's going to draft your you know whatever stables you're into maybe it's like frax or magical internet money or usdc or whatever it is for like coffee and a croissant here in paris right uh, which is great <laughs> um it shouldn't you know it shouldn't reveal like your bank balance right and that's how it works today right when you swipe your visa you, you don't reveal like how much money you have in the bank and like all the other places that you've um you know, swiped your card and all these other things, right? And so, like, that's kind of what we're after in 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 Railgun, right? Is to give people wallet side privacy and allow them like self determined uh, right over who gets to see like their financial data. That's that's what's really important here. Yeah, and something you touched on there is you know, like if I go into a cafe and I buy a croissant and I don't want you know that Starbucks, for example, to see my entire history of transactions, I, I think the Converse, the other side is also true too, right? It's like Starbucks doesn't want you to see all of their accounts and maybe how much they're paying their employees. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's, so if we look at, if I think if you look at privacy like that, right, there's probably, you know, you could think about it, you know, on the individual level. Like I, it's none of your business what's in my bank account and it's none of my business what's in yours, right? Uh, and we self-select like who gets access to that. And so like when you apply for maybe a car loan or a mortgage or something like this, like you can, you can, um, you know, self-adjudicate, you know, giving someone access to this. This is, this is really important and, you know, very normal for people. We're very used to this um, in, um, you know, traditional uh, finance space. Uh, but then also, you know, corporations, right? Uh, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like if it were a public ledger uh, system where I swipe my debit card at Starbucks, like I'm thinking I have access to whatever wallet that they're holding that in, which is maybe the the local Starbucks in, um, you know, Texas, you know, maybe it's in Austin, right? You swipe it and um, you get to see the Austin, Texas Starbucks or something like this and kind of do, you know, Nansen analytics on it and, you know, chase how much they're spending on coffee beans and all of these kind of things. And so like, from a corporate espionage like standpoint, this would be like a wet dream for someone wanting to do research on like their competition, you know, like take for example, maybe the Toyota Corporation has a special deal on aluminum. And the last people they want to know about this special deal is uh, GM, right? And so like, there's no way that they're ever gonna take and do a public ledger transaction for, you know, these these precious materials and these, you know, well-negotiated contracts. And so like, it's, it's gonna be really tough to like maintain competitive advantage for a corporation uh, you know, trading aside, like being able to copy somebody's like trade, like that's a very obvious thing that you can do in public ledger spaces. But like, um, like being able to like steal like in a corporate espionage way, like people's trade secrets, like how much they're spending on like raw materials and this kind of thing, makes it a really high barrier for entry for corporate you know entities to, um, yeah, to to participate in this economy. And then with with governments, right? Um, you know, they definitely have uh, their own, you know, state level secrets. And so like everybody needs privacy. It's just a matter of taking and solving privacy in the right way. And that's, um, yeah, that's just as important, I think. Yeah, I'd say that's something that we've discovered at Polygon as well in our interviews with, you know, retail users, enterprises, nonprofits, government agencies, is that all all of these different, I guess, like sectors, they have their own privacy and security preferences, you know, and that's kind of one of the reasons how like Polygon Nightfall came about is because that's more of like a privacy faced uh, or enterprise based uh, privacy play. But yeah, that's that's one of those reasons. And so, Alan, when I was doing my research on Railgun there, I, you know, having like almost no knowledge at the beginning, I first thought of it as like similar to loopering in the sense that I, I thought that it was a dex 
that was using, you know, like ZK snarks, right? And then, I, and I was like, okay, but there's like a privacy feature. And, and so I, there was a lot of misconceptions that I was coming through as I was doing my research on this. But what you have essentially done, if it's, if this is my understanding, is that this is a, a smart contract wallet it's privacy focused, right? So you don't lose that on any composability, correct? Yeah, exactly. And so like the, there's a couple of things that we were, I guess we'd established as like non-negotiables for developing Railgun. And the two most important parts of it were decentralization um, and the um, like compostability, like being like on pure layer one. So like not having like a layer two or a roll up or like having like additional nodes that needed to be deployed in order for like the, the contract to work. Like we wanted it to have like uncompromising like security and um, compostability because that's that's the kind of privacy that people want, right? You know, so when we think about like, you know, privacy layer twos when it comes to like DeFi, there's, there's, there's compostability issues, right? Um, you know, so for example, if you wanted to take and, you know, provide liquidity to Uniswap V3 and it emits a ERC721, for your position, right? It's gonna be really hard to like bridge that that NFT that represents your position back to that layer two, right? And so like being able to have that like true on-chain privacy was really the goal. Um, and then in terms of governance, like having the ability to, um, you know, be controlled and governed in a very decentralized way uh, was was really quite important. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Like our goal was to basically make a private wallet that people can do like arbitrary smart contract functions from. So if you wanted to do a flash loan, like something really complex, like you can do that. If you wanted to take and provide liquidity and um, you know to Uniswap, you can do that. If you wanted to get a loan from Ave, whatever it may be, you know you can take and and, and participate in DeFi in in whatever way you see fit and use Railgun for that. And that's kind of the yeah the the long term vision of what we're building here. That's a really good point. So. I guess that is the reason why a railgun team decided to build a smart contract wallet focused on privacy as opposed to building a privacy layer two or a privacy layer one, like like Aztec or Monero or or Zcash. And they're really good, right? Like Aztec, uh, amazing tech. Those dudes are really bright. Monero, like Zcash, have like solved peer to peer, um, you know, uh, transfer of wealth, like being able to pay people privately. Uh, like this is. You know, it exists and it works, right? But like the holy grail that exists right now is like true compostable uh, privacy that doesn't have any, um, you know, any like limitations like being on a, uh, I guess like, I, I kind of think of it like this. Like we stri are striving to like bring the, the solution to the ecosystem, right? And so like deploying on Ethereum, deploying on Polygon, deploying on BSC and allowing like allowing builders to take and build in like these you know integrations where they're developing already and like um, being able to use an SDK without like deploying on a new L2 or like having to like integrate bridges and this kind of thing like it was really quite important um, you know for us you know as like a I guess like go to market strategy to allow people to integrate Railgun where they're doing business already right because it's incredibly difficult to try to convince, you know, let's say a curve to like, you know, build somewhere else and do another thing. You know, their team's spread thin enough. But like if like we put a, you know, a privacy solution in place, that's just arbitrary smart contract calls. Now we don't have to ask them to do anything like we can leverage the true permissionless nature of DeFi and um, yeah, just build in spite of them, if you will, right? You know, and I think that's like a really unique um, capability of Railgun. Yeah, and Railgun's so unique. Like, who would you consider are your closest competitors in the space? Uh, man, that's a good question. I would probably say, I'd probably say Aztec uh, is definitely a very, uh, very good competition. Um, and I hate, I, can't, I can't hate the word competition, right? Because anybody who's building privacy tech, best I could tell, right? Um, are like after the same thing that I am, which is like uh, privacy for people. Like that's just the number one goal first and foremost, right? So if it's Railgun, that's great. If it's Aztec, that's cool too. Um, you know, I'm a bit biased, obviously, you know, given what I do, but um, I think that, yeah, Aztec, uh, you know, probably, you know, Tornado Cash is like the industry standard name for, you know, DeFi privacy, if you will. Um, and yeah, I'd probably put those as like the two 
most common things that people talk about in terms of, you know, privacy besides railgun to me. Yeah, and Tornado Cash is pretty gas intensive as well. Is that the same with Railgun? Like, I think we're, do you shield transactions? Is that how we're doing it? And like, is that process pretty gas intensive? Yeah, exactly right. So the first step to using Railgun is taking and putting funds into your private balance, right? And so basically what you're doing is you're depositing funds into a dark pool that are then encrypted um, to your your private keys effectively. So only you have access to those funds and only you can take and spend those funds. No one else can actually take and spend your funds in the dark pool, right? So that's like the first step of privacy. So let's say you have um, $100,000 and you want to privatize $50,000 of it. You split half of it. Maybe some things you don't care if they're public, right? So you put 50000 die into your private balance. Uh, from that point, you can take and do you know private sends, private swaps, uh, you know, private smart contract calls, this kind of thing, and do your private, you know, DeFi with your private balance, do your public DeFi with your public balance, these kind of things, right? And so, like, I think that, um, yeah, it's, in terms of uh, gas, uh, being on-chain, you know, for ZK Snarks is definitely computationally intensive. So we're talking, you know, for a standard transaction on Ethereum, you know, it's 7 million to, um, you know, 1.2 million gas, um, you know, so on Polygon, it's practically free. You know, it's like seven cents to do a transaction, which is one of the beauties of Polygon as an ecosystem. It's really cheap gas. Um, uh, but on, you know, Ethereum, you're probably looking, um, you know, somewhere in between the 40 to $120 mark if, uh, you know, gas spikes. So, uh, yeah, definitely is cost uh, uh, costly to use it on Ethereum. Who would you say your target audience is? Like, who are the users that you're trying to go after? Is it retail or are, are you focusing on enterprises at all? Um, we're trying to build it with like anybody who wants to have like privacy um, from the wallet side. Like that's really the end goal, right? Uh, like the, the long-term play I envision is that we will be able to take and integrate with wallets like Brave uh, we'll be able to integrate with wallets like MetaMask. And like, I believe that in like 18 to 24 months, you know, that it'll be like having a web browser that doesn't have an incognito mode. Like it'll just be ridiculous to be a wallet provider and not have an incognito mode and have this capability with your, um, you know, with your wallet. So like the SDK, um, you know, and the people that we're trying to target in terms of builders is definitely the, the wallet uh, the wallet providers, because I think that this is like a really powerful use case for them. Uh, but in terms of like the end user, um, I think that we're really kind of focused on the the most track players in DeFi, you know, so that is like whales, that's funds, you know, anybody who has like their alpha being stolen on a day to day basis in the crypto market. That's like the the first people that we're after, because those are the people that need the privacy the most right now are all these people being watched and like having their liquidations docs, you know, they're like, oh man, you know, Justin's liquidation point on ETH is $1,200. Let's see if we could push it down to 1200 bucks so he has to sell or, you know, you know, manage his margin or something like this. So like being able to like provide these people with like a privacy solution that allows them to take and, you know, do DeFi in a private way where they don't have to deal with that like externality um, is, is really, really important. And that's kind of like the, the short-term focus. Yeah, that makes sense. And let's talk about the SDK. Um, what is the Railgun SDK and what are some potential use cases uh, that you foresee or that you would like to see personally? Oh, man. So the, the Railgun SDK effectively has three parts, right? Uh, is the wallet side, like so being able to build that incognito uh, mode as a wallet provider. I think that'd be really huge, right? I would love to see uh, you know, MetaMask, Brave Wallet, these kind of people being able to take and build out a, um, an incognito infrastructure that allows people to take and transact in a private fashion, right? And I'll also, you know, say that it would be really cool if we could get people like Copper and Fireblocks and have a Gnosis Safe app and all these different ways that people are interacting, you know, with their balance uh, provide like this, uh, this incognito mode through the Railgun SDK. Uh, the next part of the SDK is the arbitrary smart contract calls. So this will be for like the mega nerds who want to take and um, do a, um, a flash loan or something like this. So being able to take and do like arbitrary smart contract calls against the private balance, this SDK will allow you to do that. Uh, and then the, uh, the third part of it is the, uh, the Railgun Connect. So being able from the front end of a different DAP 
uh, take and you know connect your railgun balance. You know, so go to Uniswap, you know, connect instead of your MetaMask, connect your railgun balance, and do DeFi privately natively you know, on the apps that you're already using them. And so that's kind of like the yeah the trifecta of the of the SDK. But like for me, the uh, like the coolest part I think is definitely the wallet provider side. But in terms of like really cool functionalities. Uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is an integration with the REN protocol. And so um, I'm sure you're, you're familiar, but being able to take in REN mint assets directly into a private balance is going to be huge. And that's, that's the thing I'm most excited about. And the reason why is like, it's going to be really cool to not like, you know, tie my Bitcoin address to my Ethereum address. Right or like being able to mint Ren Doge uh, into Ethereum, like or something like this, um, and then you know being able to deal with like the Ren VM in a private way, uh, you know, so like you know tapping into some of the things that are being deployed there, like catalog, and like those cross-chain swap functionalities is going to be really big, because that'll, uh, I think that'll kind of replace a lot of reasons why people are using centralized exchanges, like if you could take your USDT that's on Ethereum and privately swap it for Bitcoin, you know, on the Bitcoin network, like this would be really, really huge. And that's that's one of the integrations that I want to see um, the most. So yeah, that was why I guess we announced that partnership so early because we we're really excited to, you know, work on that with Ren. Like we announced that partnership a year ago and, you know, we're just now starting to break ground on like finalizing those, um, you know, integrations. So pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the REN protocol. And I think I do remember that partnership announcement. But what you're saying is that I guess the Railgun SDK could potentially be leveraged to be or so that privacy is the, is the default for REN. Is that what you're saying? Like there's the potential for that? Yeah, exactly right. So being able to take and REN mint assets in a private and anonymous way, right? So you can take and connect your railgun balance to the the uh, you know the REN system and take and uh, REN mint BTC. So let's say you want to take and REN mint ten BTC, you can do that directly into a um, in, into a private balance on Ethereum, and then you know anonymously take and provide that um, uh, that BTC to something like Badger or something like this in order to take and get yield on it. So being able to get like anonymous yield on your Bitcoin, I think is going to be really cool. Well, yeah. And Alan, what would you say to people who say things along the lines of, you know, only criminals want privacy or I don't need privacy because I've got nothing to hide? I think that that's a very uh, interesting. I think it's like a, a it's like a really good straw man. Right. Uh, but I don't think it's really good. Right. I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that like you know, hackers or something like this could use, um, you know, Railgun, right? But I don't believe that, like, the propensity or, like, the potential for, like, the presence of bad actors to be, like, um, like a negation for, like, people's, like, uh, right to have privacy, right? Um, this would be, like, saying, um, oh, well, you know, I don't really care about free speech because I don't have anything important to say, Right? Um, and I think that that's, that's a bit of a, like a cop out as like an argument, if I'm, I'm being honest. Right. And I think that like, once you start to like really dive into it with people who make those like statements, you know, they can kind of see like that there is a need for privacy, right? It's really quite important, especially when it comes to like their financial data, like people immediately get kind of like, um, you know, squirrely whenever you want to like hear about like how much money they have in the bank or something like this. Right. Um, because it's, it's, it's nobody's business. Right. Um, you know, like, so if I were to ask you, um, you know, Mr. Crypto Texan, like how much money is in your bank account? Would you be inclined to tell me? No, I would not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. None of my business. Right. And so like people believe in like, uh, you know, financial privacy and we have it in, in traditional finance. Right. It's called cash. Right. And so I could take and walk into a store and buy a soda with, um, well, I guess euros at this exact moment because I'm in Paris, but um, I could take go and buy some soda and do it in an anonymous way. And the guy at the the 7-Eleven or whatever, I think AMPM is the cool thing here. I'm not too sure, but uh, I'm sure people in France will correct me at some point. But suffice it to say, I can take and do an anonymous transaction in, um, you know, in traditional finance. And I think that the same thing is going to be really important for like the future of, of crypto, right? Um, I believe that like, if you have like this really heavy transparent system, like it creates like a um, an ability for like powerful people to create different forms of censorship 
and like we we need to have privacy in crypto for like the long term um, vision of crypto to really work out. So um, yeah, do I think that people will will be bad actors in in crypto? Sure, right. Uh, but I also believe that there's bad actors with with fiat, right? And I think that if we set it up with like the capabilities for good actors to be able to like prove that they are good actors and demonstrate that they uh, are good actors, you know, we'll be able to have privacy. And this is like the same for like cash reporting standards. So uh, if you're you know really savvy and know some things about crypto, uh, excuse me fiat regulation in the U.S., uh, you you'll know that there's a a form called the the 8300 form. It's a form 8300 for the IRS. Like it's a cash reporting form where if you as a business take and receive uh, $10,000 in cash or a suspicious uh, transaction of cash, right? You take and you fill out this form and you submit it to the IRS basically. And they, um, you know, they do with that what they will, whether it's, you know, they investigate, let's say, you know, Justin, you go and you buy a car with cash and it's $20,000, right? You, they'll fill this form out and you know the irs may contact you as an individual to say hey you need to prove that your cash is from uh, a good place right and you'll go ah oh, you know well i have this cash for all of these legitimate reasons and the irs goes cool you're a good guy no further questions right and so the same thing will happen in, in crypto right we'll be able to take and you know in a privacy first kind of system you know prove that we aren't bad actors in other words like self-adjudicate and reveal to people you know, how we transacted. Um, and I, so I think that like, yeah, I think it's just like a straw man uh, when people say like, oh, well, privacy is only for bad actors. Uh, but, I, and I think it's that they don't understand like the, the stakes um, or like how, um, you know, how privacy works for, for crypto. Yeah, that makes sense. I think he touched on like a couple interesting things there. And like a very interesting thought experiment, I think is to think of like cash as, you know, cash is very private, right? Um, no one's looking in on all of your cash transaction if you're using just cold, hard US dollars or euros. And also that's cash is self-custody as well. But I guess what we're missing out on here is really just like the composability of cash, you know, when you're using that and also the utility that it has compared to digital assets. Yeah, exactly. It's very hard to pay cash for something on Alibaba. You know what I mean? Like, if you wanted to, like, order some hats or something from, from Alibaba, you know, like, I don't know what you would do, maybe, like, ship them an envelope of cash and hope that, you know, they send you stuff back. So, so yeah. Right, and I could send you some Ether or some Matic, like, right now, and you would get it in 10 seconds, essentially. Yeah, I'll DM my address letter, and you can do that. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> so, Alan, what are some of the drawbacks, though? Like, maybe, like, what are some, like, unforeseen... It, issues or drawbacks that y'all have noticed with the railgun protocol, if there are any, and like, do y'all plan on addressing any of those? Yes, I think it's, I think it's fair, right? So let's think, right? If you think about like some of the things that you could, you could take issue with, right? Is, you know, currently, um, you know, there's a railway, you know, they're, they're a, a separate, you know, um, entity, they're, they're building a wallet and, you know, they integrated the railgun SDK. And, you know, that's the only place that you could take and use railgun very reasonably right now, right? And so we're working really, um, really diligently to take and um, make the, the repos uh, very easy for people to, to deal with. Um, you know, so like over the last, I guess, call it year and a half um, of, of building, uh, you know, we've, I guess, as a team, I'm not, I should say, um, our developers, uh, the core contributors of the project uh, are really familiar with the repos. Uh, and that doesn't really translate to like external folks. So like being able to take and... Um, you know, so being able to take and like make the SDK easier for people to use is something that we're focusing on. So we can like expand those efforts out and like get other wallet providers on board. Um, I think that that's that's uh, that's a bit of a drawback. Um, as it sits right now, there isn't any hardware support for private transactions, and this is the case for like Zcash uh, as well. Uh, so there's a signature scheme called EDDSA uh, over Baby Jub Jub, um, and. Uh, which is a very adorable name for um, an elliptical curve, baby jub jub. But um, suffice it to say, like you don't have the ability to have like a hardware wallet for uh, your your private transactions. And so uh, we've you know kind of taken up um, building a ledger app that will allow you you know with a ledger nano x like sign your private transactions with a hardware wallet. So you know we're just you know we're working on it ourselves and you know we're coordinating. 
um, you know, with some other folks out there in the ecosystem to try to build this. Um, and so, uh, you know, please, anyone on the, you know, the, in the world of crypto Twitter, feel free to like at the folks over at Ledger to ask them for, um, you know, the ability to, to, to sign your private transactions, right? Because it's not just for Railgun, it's for a whole myriad of like CK tech. Um, and then I think that, you know, gas uh, on Polygon, not so bad, right? Uh, it's, it's practically free to use Polygon, which is really awesome. Uh, but on Ethereum, you know, gas is, um, you know, it's pretty uh, expensive. Um, and, you know, working towards like driving those down is going to be really important. And so like in the short term, we're going to take and we're developing some new uh, cryptography circuits. Um, and these circuits will allow us to deal with more complex balances and more complex transactions uh, in a more, well, efficient way, right? So more efficiency in the computation means lower gas costs. You know, so we should be able to take and drive down gas costs more. Um, you know, currently, I think we have the most efficient, um, I don't know, ZK tech on Ethereum um, that's directly on chain, just comparing to Tornado Cash. Uh, it's cheaper to execute a railgun transaction than the... Um, the tornado cash, but we'll continue to drive that down. And then in the long term, we'll take and look to develop um, the uh, the system using uh, recursive ZK snarks. Um, and so like this will take and drive down gas costs even further. So being able to take and prove multiple statements. Uh, so not only like the validity of a transaction, but like the update, uh, excuse me, the update of the, uh, the UTXO Merkle tree um, all in like one snark proof will be really, really cool. And um, it'll definitely lower the gas cost by a uh, landslide. So long-term, uh, you know, we have that, but that's, you know, however, you know, that could be a, even a year away, who knows, maybe longer. You know, we need the pre-compiles and things like that for recursive snarks in order to take and do that. But those are probably the three things. So like currently, you know, there's, there's not a lot of integrations, you know, so that'll be cured over time. Um, I think that, you know, gas costs um, are, you know, being driven down um, and then you know, what I'm most looking forward to is uh, hardware support, because I think that'll be a huge win for ZK Tech, um, just like broadly, not just for Railgun. Yeah, that's really interesting. You touched on like some very interesting things there and some things that I wasn't necessarily aware of either. So it, is it, I didn't realize that the EDDSA, I guess signature authentic authentication was not compatible with Ledger wallets. Is, is that for all of them or is that specific to smart contracts? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I don't want to like speak out of turn, but that is my understanding of the way it works, right? Is that like there is no like compatibility for uh, this signature scheme. And so um, a bit ironic given that the guys who uh, are pretty high up in the ledger world were just talking about the importance of ZK Tech, yet they have very little support for it, um, you know, currently. And so we're kind of hoping that we can take and, you know, basically build it uh, for them and say, Hey, you know, here you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, to my knowledge, it doesn't really exist at this exact moment, the ability to take and sign uh, a shielded transaction uh, through Railgun or like Zcash, which I think is absolutely insane because Zcash has been around for freaking ages. It's been around for a very long, like it's been, you know, it's been around for a super long time in terms of crypto, right? Yeah, y'all need to team up with Zuko over there at Zcash and get the ball rolling on this, I think. Yeah, I think they have uh, they have some folks that are working on it on their side, too. You know, so there's definitely some uh, some GitHub repos that exist in the world that are working on it already. And um, yeah, we're going to, you know, try to see if we can leverage some of that, uh, you know, such as the way of open source, but then also take an add on to it, you know. Um, and that's kind of like the beauty of open source, too, is that like anybody can help and like, you know, work with each other. Um, so you know, we're hoping that we can contribute to that and kind of, you know, get that get that across the finish line because I think it's going to be really, really important uh, going forward. Yeah, and I love that y'all, you know, you weren't only just focusing on, you know, decentralization, privacy, and composability, which is very important, but you're also focusing on, you know, this SDK for wallet developers, which I think is like, it, it's very unique. And I, I think that's that's really interesting. And I'm, I'm very excited to see how this plays out for y'all in the future, in the coming months, because it's a bear market. It's time to build, right? So now's the time to do it if you're going to do it. Yeah, it's definitely a build a market, you know? And so like being able to build um, these kind of things for other people to take and leverage to um, produce like really unique um, value propositions is gonna be really cool, right? And so like I can just imagine like, 
you know, maybe like MetaMask Institutional, for example, um, would be able to take and go to their institutional clients and say that they have an incognito mode that will help them protect their alpha, right, and their trade secrets and this kind of thing. Like, this is going to be really, really cool. Like, there's a, a whole new market that can be opened up by, I guess, what's currently being called PriFi, right? And so, like, I think that I see, you know, Railgun being a really big part of this um, if, uh, you know, the Earth, Moon, and Sun, and Stars all align for us, which, uh, you know, so far so good. Things are, you know, going really well. V1's out. The contracts work. Um, you know, we're getting them very intensely audited on a pretty regular basis and getting good feedback from, uh, you know, the folks that are auditing. So, um, yeah, I think with, uh, you know, with a, enough uh, bear market uh, determination, you know, we can take and come out the other side with some really key partnerships in the ecosystem that will, uh, you know, bring, uh, you know, privacy to fruition for, for all of DeFi. Well, yeah, that's that's really interesting. So I kind of want to take a a different turn here and talk specifically about, I guess, like the economics of the protocol now. Um, you know, like what are some of the revenue drivers to Railgun? You know, how does the protocol make money? Yeah, yeah. So um, the the protocol has a um, a twenty five basis point, so that's zero point two five percent of the transaction that goes to the Railgun Treasury. And um, I think what's really unique about the way that uh, mechanism is designed is that it is actually paid to the treasury in that um, transacted asset. So if you take and you transact Matic, Matic goes in the treasury. If you take and you transact DAI or REN BTC or USDC, whatever it may be, you take and that is paid into the, the treasury. And so if we look at it now, you know, there's a whole like even now, like uh, as early as we are, you know, there, there's a myriad of tokens in there. And this would be really important for like treasury durability, right? I guess is what I'll, I'll call it, right? And so like, um, I don't know how closely you follow the crypto Twitter world, but there was like this post that showed like a lot of, uh, a lot of treasuries have been wrecked, right? Or they at least look like they've been wrecked. But like, I think that was probably a bit of a misinterpretation of like what cash on hand, if you will, means, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, you have like your protocol token in your treasury Therefore, you're, you're rich because, well, you've just added directional risk to your particular token. You know, so like, um, you know, pick on Uniswap a little bit like they, you know, their treasury, you know, shrunk really, really hard because it's really exposed to um, well, Uni. Right. And so um, the, the Railgun treasury, uh, as it sits right now, is primarily in DAI, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a moment. But, um, yeah, it'll actually grow over time in like a myriad of assets. Um, and that'll allow the protocol, uh, I guess, in terms of the treasury, at least a lot more resilience, right? Um, and then the the DAO also controls the right to take and mint more rail. Now there's a hard cap on how much can be minted, right? There's a hundred million that could that can ever be minted, and as it sits right now, there is um, yeah, there's fifty, uh, yeah, fifty, I forget how, yeah, fifty-seven point five million that's been minted so far. Uh, and the uh, so that was an additional 7.5 million that was just recently minted back in January. And the reason why we did that was we actually structured up a strategic partnership with uh, with Digital Currency Group, um, and they've just been uh, an absolute amazing um, you know ecosystem partner for us. Uh, they've given us a lot of resources, uh, which has been really good. You know, so we took and we structured this deal with uh, DCG and LD Capital. Uh, as a DAO, and so technically the the DAO I could see, you know, could foreseeably take in, you know, mint more tokens to sell to more partners or something like this as well. And so there's a couple of different ways that I guess we could take and generate um, uh, the the lifeblood, if you will, of the ecosystem, whether it be from taking in minting the fees from the, the protocol itself, um, you know, applying for grants, you know, Gitcoin grants, all sorts of different things. Uh, maybe, who knows? Maybe we'll win the Z Prize one day. So. Um, and, but more to the point, right? The actual question here is like, you know, what's in it for people who hold and stake the token, right? Is that fair? And so, <laughs> right, yeah. Everybody wants to hear, but yeah, okay, that's all great, but what's in it for me, right? And so one of the most, uh, you know, talked about uh, proposals that's that's coming along here in the um, the, the world of Railgun is the, um, like the, the, the treasury or the fee distribution proposal 
that um, everyone's really looking forward to. And so effectively what this will do is take and pay out the, uh, the treasury assets to people take, uh, staking the token, right? And so the, the DAO is, uh, you know, debating that, talking about the different mechanisms that could work. And, uh, you know, we'll see a proposal for that, I imagine, pretty soon. Um, and I think the, the general consensus of everybody who's staking and is in our, uh, we call it the DAO Scord. It's a, a private Discord for people who are staking the token. Um, you know, the, the general consensus is that it'll take and pay out the natural asset that's in the treasury. So unlike, um, you know, other, you know, Ponzi-nomics where, you know, it pays out in, you know, more rail or does it burn or a buyback or something like this, uh, it'll actually take and just pay out the, the raw assets that are in the treasury. So if there's uh, DAI in the treasury, if there's REN BTC in the treasury, if there's ETH, right, MATIC, uh, it'll take and it'll pay out those natural assets to people who are staking which I think is, um, yeah, which I think is probably the best yield, at least in my degenerate heart. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I do like that strategy. I think that it's very interesting to see how all of these different protocols address that issue, right? Uh, especially when it comes to like locking, like do you have to like stake or lock up your rail in order to vote? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there is a, um, a yeah, staking mechanic to participate in governance. And the um, it, when you stake, uh, or I should say rather, when you click the unstake button, which is the easier way to say it, when you click unstake, there's a 30-day cool-off period before you can actually take and claim your tokens. And this is by design. It prevents uh, people from taking and like doing, uh, let's say they buy up a bunch of tokens and they create a proposal and it's, you know, bad for the protocol or like it only benefits them or something. Um, it, you know, basically deters them because, well, they're going to have to live with the consequences of that proposal uh, as well. Right. So this is a, a bit of a deterrent against people not taking governance seriously or, you know, trying to, you know, manipulate the system by buying lots of tokens, staking them and then voting for something that's not beneficial for the protocol. And is the treasury private as well? You know, it's not. You can actually see it. Um, yeah, so there's uh, contracts on uh, Polygon, BSC, and then uh, Ethereum. Uh, and yeah, you can see those and watch those fees accumulate live. Um, yeah, so it, it exists out there in the world for the you know viewing pleasures of those who want to take and do the due diligence associated with uh, you know buying the token. Because I think that's important, right? You know, and that's kind of a, a bit of a tangent here, but I think that like some things need to be transparent, right? I think that some things should be transparent, right? I should say. And that's like, like, so for example, like I believe that you should be able to see the code of uh, a smart contract that you're interacting with and like verify by looking at it that like it's going to do the things that I expect it to do, right? So when I take and I sign a transaction to swap, um, you know, a million Shiba Inu for whatever, like it's gonna actually happen the way I expect it and the tokens are gonna go into my wallet and I'm gonna you know, not be any poorer or rugged or hacked or something like this, right? So there has to be you know, publicly verifiable things uh, in the ecosystem. And I believe that like, um, you know, having like public treasuries and like open forums for discussion and like communicating with like, um, you know, people in the, the community, you know, th these things are really important and you know, we need transparency on that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, like, um, I believe that that's yeah one of the things that should be you know publicly you know verifiable that like you know the DAO can actually take and like support itself and sustain itself you know otherwise like you know you can't really know that like a protocol is going to live into the future unless like you know it can fund itself to um, you know live. Right, that makes sense. And I think outside of governance and the developers, the relayers are also a pretty essential. I guess, puzzle piece in this protocol. Uh, can you kind of explain like what the relayers are, what that means, and uh, how do they help the protocol just to work in general? Yeah, yeah, so oh, I love all these good questions, man. Um, it makes me excited. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, it seems like you've done your due diligence, which is really cool. So like in terms of like uh, relayers, right? Uh, I guess let me back up actually a little bit. And so like when you talk about on-chain privacy in a public ledger, um, you know, in a public ledger blockchain, right? You effectively have to think about a couple of things, right? You have to think about the sender, the recipient, the token type, and how much you're sending, right? These are the, the things that you have to think about. And so everything other than the sender is privatized by the smart contract, 
right? And so like, um, at least when we're talking about a railgun to railgun transaction, in other words, you know, Crypto Texan, you're on um, railgun, I'm on railgun, and I take and I send you a private, you know, uh, a private payment, um, you know, that's obfuscated by the smart contract. But there is one thing that's not obfuscated by the smart contract, and that is the gas payer, right? Because on a public ledger blockchain, some public address has to take in, you know, pay, it has to pay, right? And so, well, what are relayers, right? So a relayer, um, they take and they, they broadcast uh, over the uh, Waku P2P network, um, which uh, you may or may not know was, was developed by the guys who made status.im, right? So they take and they broadcast a couple of things over that peer-to-peer -peer network. They take and they broadcast the tokens that they'll accept for payment, um, as well as like the, the fee, and uh, they'll also broadcast their uh, public key uh, to take and address the, the fee to, right? And the client, the front end, in other words, like the wallet, takes and subscribes to this fee broadcast, and whenever you're doing a private transaction, it'll take and estimate the, the transaction fee, and you take and you pay that. Uh, you effectively you know, generate a populated unsigned transaction um, that you know, has uh, at least two uh, ZK uh, notes in it, one of, one of which is like the actual transaction and another me, in other words, like me sending you die, and then one representing the, the payment to the relayer for signing uh, and um, paying the gas on your behalf. Now, the, the relayers, it's important to note, are not required for like access to your private funds. So let's say, let's go like disaster scenario and like the relayer ecosystem like craters, right? It just ceases to exist. Uh, your your funds are still safe. You can still access your private balance and like withdraw it or do whatever you would like to with it. Uh, you'll just have to take and like uh, you know dox the wallet associated with it, right? And so like uh, it, you don't have to worry about like the relayers ever failing or something like this. But then you know too you have to think about like oh well can the relayers like dox me or identify other metrics about me as a user and like the answer is no, right? You know as long as you know, all the messages are relayed uh, through like the Waku P2P network, like they can't know uh, a particular message's origin, right? And so, um, yeah, they have no way of like detecting your actual individual IP address or any other identifiable metrics, right? Uh, but probably the most important thing, not just your privacy, is like, are my funds safe, right? And like, they steal my money, is this a trustless ecosystem? And you know, again, you know, they cannot, right? They can't take and steal money from you. It's a completely trustless transaction, right? Um, and, uh, you know, the long answer there is, you know, relayers can't circumvent the, the security of the transactions. And the, the reason why is they don't have access to your private keys that were used to generate the snark proof. So as long as your keys are safe, right? You haven't shared those with, um, I don't know, some admin on Telegram or something like this, right? There's no way for anybody to, to, to brute force manipulate a snark proof. Uh, the snark verifier and the smart contract will detect that it's an invalid proof and the transaction is reverted and the relayer would be out of pocket for the gas, uh, for the effort that, um, you know, for, for them trying to, to manipulate it. So, yeah, it's a frequently asked thing and I think it's really important, right? I think it's a really cool and unique way to take and solve uh, gas payer privacy. Um, it's been really exciting. The, the, the folks over at Waku, just a quick shout out to those dudes, are just super smart. They're really cool dudes. Like the, the guys who built that library, they're they're just absolute giga chads. They, they know exactly what they're doing and it's really cool stuff. So um, yeah, if you're trying to take and do like private messaging of some sort, like um, in a peer to peer way, like yeah, they're the dudes. They're the dudes. And it seems like y'all have done a really good job of developing and fostering these partnerships, you know, with the RIN protocol team, um, with BCG. Uh, what other partnerships are out there that have helped y'all become such a great, great success? Um, the most important one has been the, the Right to Privacy Foundation. Like they, they sponsored the development of the, the protocol for, you know, it's quite some time. Uh, you know, so they take, they, they took and they paid out a grant to, um, develop the, uh, the the protocol, right? And so, uh, yeah, we definitely wouldn't be here um, without those guys. So definitely the, the Right to Privacy Foundation out of the UK, they're really great. Um, I would also say the folks over at Foundry, which is a subsidiary company of DCG, uh, they run like nodes and things like this. They've been really instrumental for us to gain access to 
like testnet nodes and things like that. Uh, the folks over at Zero X, uh, which is what we use for the ability for folks to take and do private swaps, right? So we leverage the you know the Zero X API in order to take and um, perform private swaps against uh, a private railgun balance. Um, you know they were they've been really great uh, at answering questions and like helping us. Uh, you know, use their API, which, you know, if you're trying to do like swap functions in space, like Xerox, again, uh, they are the way. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been really cool to work with those dudes. And then, of course, um, I don't think we could do it without our community members. Like, we have a lot of really dedicated people who are in the community who are uh, really great connectors, facilitators. We have people making like you know, marketing materials and designing like really funny memes and this kind of thing. And those are really great too. But like a lot of the people who are really interested in our protocol have, have done a lot of work to help set up some, you know, future strategic alliances uh, in the space too. Like, um, well, I mean, the reason why I know some folks over at Polygon, right, uh, is because of some community members in the space. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's, you know, probably one of the most important parts is the community. Yeah, absolutely. I think we we completely agree. You know, I think the meme that everyone's been pushing is like it's not a bear market, it's a build market, build the dip. But and I think that's mainly focused like on the developer side, but also like building out your community is also very important because I think like you could have the most revolutionary and innovative technology that's ever been created, but if you don't have any users for that technology, then that technology is completely worthless. And I think that's where the community and your users come in. Community members, they help with like the the cope as well, right? So when your bags are down, <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about that. Well, uh, we're kind of getting close to uh, run up on time. I've just got a couple more questions for you. And the first one is like, how do you address privacy personally? Like. Do you use the Brave browser? Do you use any VPNs or are you just sticking to Railgun? I guess my personal favorite uh, browser, um, uh, which is the one that I'm using to uh, be on this, uh, I guess this recording uh, is Brave. Uh, I think that's really great. Um, I use a VPN. Um, uh, at home, I use, uh, I just use like regular old ExpressVPN, probably not the greatest, but like it gets the job done at the house. Uh, but whenever I'm traveling, you know, I'll use like a VPN inside of like a, an APN, this kind of stuff. So like, um, uh, you know, I don't want to like hit anybody over the head with like, you know, the shout out of who taught me how to do that. But like, uh, I'm not clever enough to do this kind of thing on my own. And so like, I've had some people help me set up like, uh, some various ways to do like, um, uh, really tricky things to make sure that my internet connection is uh, very secure. Um, and then in terms of like, uh, privacy for, you know, wallets up until now I did what everybody else does, right? Which is, you know, take and put funds into a centralized exchange and then bring them out into a different wallet. You know what I mean? It's like the centralized mixer, you know, like no one talks about that, right? Everyone always talks about tornado cash, but like the real true biggest mixer uh, around is, is centralized exchanges. It's Binance and Coinbase, baby. You know, like I take and I put funds into, you know, uh, Coinbase, they, they disappear and then they come out on the other side of a different wallet. I've done that many a times, you know, but now I don't have to. I don't have to worry about like, you know, putting my funds uh, at risk, you know, with a centralized authority. I just, you know, you can just use Railgun for that. Yeah. And is there anything else, you know, as, as we continue to get closer up on on time, is are there any other topics that you wanted to address that we haven't really got a, a chance to touch on necessarily? Um, no, I would just say like if, if you're interested in privacy, you know, feel free to look us up on, on Telegram, on, on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and, you know, if you thought that this was appealing to you, I'd say to, you know, give it a go. The folks over at Railway built a really great wallet um, and it has these privacy preserving capabilities already. And um, I think that the more people that talk about the importance of privacy, uh, you know, the better. I think that, you know, as com you know, consumers demand it, um, you know, it'll come to fruition. And so like, you know, just get involved in like the things that you're passionate about. And if you're passionate about privacy, you know, do research, do your due diligence and, and, and look at the protocols that exist that can provide that to you um, and, and give them a go. Absolutely. And uh, Alan, it's been really great. I really appreciate you coming on, talking privacy and uh, talking Railgun. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, subscribe. And if you got forwarded the Substack email, 
maybe subscribe to that one too. Uh, Alan, I hope you have a great time in Paris and I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh man, thank you so much for having me and I'll have a, I'll have an espresso and a croissant on, uh, on your behalf. <laughs> I'll send, I'll send the, I'll send the ether your way. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. Thanks.